0: You're in for a treat today, competitor, as my friend and repeat guest, Lauren Johnson joins the show to talk about how mindset isn't everything, but it sure impacts everything. On today's brand new episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast, let's go. Morning, competitor. Welcome or welcome back to the Compete Everyday Podcast. Jake here, your chief encouragement officer. September, which means we are back to three episodes a week. After I took the month of August downscale just to two episodes a week in order to create a little bit of space in my calendar as I was working on book two, outlining book three. And I had a whole lot of projects designed and created to serve you better. I wanted to make sure they had my full attention. And so to do that, I had to create a little space in the calendar by removing one of our weekly commitments on the episodes. But we're back, it's September, and I can't tell you how great of an episode you have in store today with my friend Lauren. Lauren runs the Elite by Choice event that we're going to discuss here on the show and and where you can attend in 2023. Uh, It's an event for mental performance coaches, leaders, individuals looking to gain that edge. Uh, I had the opportunity to speak at last year's event. I attended the year before I'm going to show up at this year's event, say hi to friends and hang out because it's such an incredible event. But today we're going to talk briefly about that, but more we're talking about belief. How do we shift our belief system? How do we use our mindset to our advantage to perhaps get out of our way when we self-sabotage ourselves when we accept limiting beliefs that other people have given to us? And Lauren talks about that. In fact, it's part of the framework she teaches in her brand new book, which is now available for pre order. And so you'll have the opportunity to check that out. Go pick up a copy before it's released at the first of the year. So let's get into today's show with my friend who's going to deliver so much value to you, Lauren Johnson. Lauren, it is so good to see you again. How are you? I'm so good. It is always good to see you. I know. Well, I haven't even seen you in person this year yet. I feel like every year I see you once or twice uh, between EBC and other Mutual Friends events. Uh, You have been busy, I would say, dominating uh, this space right now, which I just love all the work you're doing and putting out not only every week in your email, but something that you've got cooking that we're excited to talk about today because pre-sales have just started, which is your first book, which is freaking awesome. So you were on the show on the last time you were on the show. We talked about your career with the Yankees. We talked about the work you're doing in the mental performance space. Now you have been out kind of on your own now for a handful of years, building your brand and name, working with companies all over the world, and then obviously running your own events. What has you most excited besides the book, uh, this fall, what has you most excited in life right now?
1: Oh man. You know, the most excited thing, honestly, right now is, um, watching my son grow. Uh, I don't know, call me cliche, but, um, watching a little human experience things for the first time is quite possibly one of the coolest experiences. Like I've, had the pleasure of viewing. Um, so I, I'm, he will be shoot. He's going to be one so soon. Um, and I am just kind of in awe of him and can't wait to see, like, especially this year, seeing him with all the holidays, like he'll actually kind of understand what's going on or at least like be able to interact in some way. So I don't know. I think that I've had some thoughts of what that will be like, and I'm really looking forward to it.
0: I love it. Okay. So you talked family. I want to talk family a little bit before we talk about your book, because your husband's a golfer and Mm -hmm. you are in the mental performance space. I know (laughs) as the spouse of someone in the professional space, it's a fine line sometimes to be, want to be able to encourage or ask questions that could be Mm -hmm. seen as coaching and otherwise. How have y'all found such a healthy balance between what you do, what he does, and just From what I've seen in the interactions around y'all, a really healthy partnership.
1: Well, thank you. I'm happy to hear that. I will tell you, we are not perfect. Uh, It wasn't always that way. Um, I will actually tell you a funny story. Um, When we first, I was first with the Yankees, he was. He was on the Canadian PJ tour and he's like, Lauren, I, I really need help with my mental game. Um, and he goes, I want to, I just want to work with you. Like I see the work that you do with clients. Like I hear how you describe stuff. And like that just resonates so well for me where I've worked with other people and I just don't feel the same way. And I was like, no, look, you don't want to work with me. He's like, no, 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 I do. I do. I was like, all right, well, we'll test it one weekend. I said, but here's the problem. I said, I was like, here's the catch. Like you're going to have to like, listen to what I have to say, like, whether you like it or not. And he's like, all right, look, we'll, we'll test it. It didn't last for more than a day. We'll just put it (laughs) that way. And I I kind of like was doing it to like prove a point is the fact that like, there is such a bias between us. And so what we have actually created as a result of that is a question, which is, do you need me to be your wife? or do you want me to be your mental coach? Do you want to hear my opinion or do you want me to listen? And so just those simple questions and allowing him, or even when it's directed back at me, the ability to say yes or no, or this is what I need, or this is what I don't need. um, It has really helped direct the way that we communicate with each other, especially when it comes to sports. I mean, he doesn't want me to tell him how he's playing his sport and I certainly don't want him telling me how to do my job. So uh, it, it works in both directions. We'll put it that
0: way. Well, and I would also imagine it creates that breath of space to allow for that versus, I mean, especially right now, you'll have still a newborn. There's all sorts of stress and sleepless nights. And all of us, you know, especially when we're not sleeping, we're stressed. We can kind of be on edge and jumping. I feel like just asking that question creates the space for both of you to take a breath.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I I know something about myself, <laughs> which is that I am a control freak, and so <laughs> it, when he just gives me the option to make a decision, I feel a sense of autonomy and like a sense of control, and um, and I'm sure he feels the same way. Especially when you're feeling overwhelmed, you know, you know what has hit the fan, like things are spiraling, and whether it's emotionally or whatever that is having that sense of control and ability to say, this is what I need is really powerful.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, it's so crucial to every healthy relationship to be able to have that, even whether you're talking about a a best friend, uh, sometimes even I would imagine similar questions you use with some of your one-on-one clients, you're there to give more advice, but you're probably asking similar, right?
1: hundred percent. It's really no different. It's just, you know, when it's your spouse, you're sometimes for whatever reason, it's like, we think that the rules are different and <laughs> it's like, we're human. Right. And so it actually is so much more effective. And really, there's only two types of communication, effective and ineffective. And so we realize that this makes us both effective when we're communicating with each other. Um, and it takes out the guesswork.
0: Takes out the guesswork, which is Oh, our biggest fault, right? We assume we just read each other's minds or somebody else reads our minds and we're all saying different things, but we think we're saying the same, which creates all sorts of problems. Uh, I love it. Thanks for sharing that. Okay. So you've got a new book that's out Mm -hmm. for pre-order, which I'm super excited about, but the title of it, I I find this fascinating based on uh, one. I love, I love the title. I find it fascinating based on the world that you're in and have come from, with you're now in corporate, you did so much in sports where we hear this like it's all the mindset, like it's all mentality. Like if that person just got their mindset, they would do X, Y, and Z. There's some instances of that, but that's not the case. And I think your book is around that. So give me a snapshot of why mindset matters, but it may not be everything that we're putting all the eggs in one basket with.
1: Yeah, no, I I think that that was really well said you know, the, the title of my book is mindset is not everything, but it impacts everything. And the reason I created that title is because of actually an interaction I had with a coach. I walked into the locker room of one of, it was, we are meeting with all the staff with the Yankees and there's a bunch of different coaches, all different levels, all different departments, um, support staff, you name it. Everybody was in there. And I get talking with the coach. And we're chatting and he just, he goes, you know what, Lauren mindset is everything. And I have this like really weird epiphany when he said it. Cause I was like, I know what he's saying. Right. But what he said, I realized wasn't entirely true because if that were the case, like, why am I not playing on the U S women's national soccer team? Like, why am I not a major leaguer? Like, why am I not an Olympian? And the truth is that mindset is not everything, but it impacts everything. So, whoever you are, whatever skills you have or don't have, whatever you bring to the table, your mind impacts your ability to execute at a high level. And so, this book is really about the marriage between what you bring to the table and your mind. Because when you put those two things together, you are able to achieve the top peak performance for you, whatever that means.
0: Yeah. It's, it's that idea of not running someone else's race, trying to live up someone else's potential to your own. How do you maximize your own? It's taking what you have and then doing the work mentally to prepare yourself and grow. And I think that's so important. And I think for a lot of us though, we get stuck. We have limiting beliefs. We've been told stuff. And, and I know you talk about this in your book. And one of the reasons I wanted to get you back on the show around beliefs is a story you've told a few times uh, around an individual you worked with who didn't believe something about themselves because of something that happened to them as a kid and how it was impacting them as an adult. And I would love if you could share a little bit of that, because I think a lot of our listeners today are struggling with something that somebody told them 10, 20 years ago, and they just took it as fact
1: when it mm. wasn't. Man, we've all been there, haven't we? We have.
0: We have. So I, uh,
1: I, I love this story, but I was, I was at one of our affiliates when I was at the Yankees, um, some time back and I'm in the dugout during this game and I'm attempting to have a conversation with one of the players, which was really normal. And I just noticed him giving me like one word answers. Like, have you ever been in a conversation with somebody where it's like pulling teeth? You're like, how are you? They're like, fine. And you're like, Oh man, give me something to work with here. You know? Yeah. So it, it, that's essentially like, it was a, it was a tough conversation. Cause I felt like it was, it was very effortful. Um, but the thing that was weird to me, and, and by the way, I'm smart enough to know I, I'm not for everyone. So it's okay. If like, somebody's like, look, thanks lady, but I don't want to talk to you. That's totally fine. I can accept that. But this was the first time I'd had this type of interaction with this player. So I just found it a little odd and I wanted to make sure that I hadn't said something to upset him or, you know, said something I wasn't aware of. And here he is upset with me and I'm just totally unaware. So I, uh, I attempted to have a couple more conversations just to make sure, like, maybe that was just a one-off, maybe it was having a bad day, but it kept going. Like one word answers, like just trying to avoid conversation at all costs. So one day I decide to confront it and I am headed to the batting cages and I'm not kidding. you, Like, I did not set this up knowing this, he was here, but he was warming up in the batting cages entirely by himself. He was there early. And you should have seen the look when he looked up. I almost felt like he like out, he didn't say this, but like, I felt like he said it like, Oh goodness, gracious lady, like, leave me alone. Like I can't get away from her. So finally I just went up and I confronted it I said, Hey, can I ask you a question? He's like, yeah. Like, what do you got? I said, you know, have I said anything to offend you in some way that I'm, maybe I'm just not aware of. I said, uh, I just feel like when I'm talking to you, like I'm getting one word answers. And I said, and if you just don't want to talk to me, I can totally respect that. You won't hurt my feelings, but I just needed to make sure that on the off chance I said something and wasn't aware of it, that I could, you know, bring it to light. And he kind of looks at me surprised and he's like, no, no, that that's not it. And he said, well, you know, can you elaborate? And he's like, yeah, I'm just not very good at speaking. And I was so confused when he said this, I was like, what do you mean? He's like, "I I just don't think I'm very good at speaking. And so I just try to avoid conversation at all times. And so I asked him if he'd meet me later after the game to discuss, he's like, yeah. So after the game, he comes in my office and we sit down and I said, can I ask you a question? I said, can you remember, think back to the first time you were ever told or ever heard or ever believed that you're not good at speaking. And it took him a couple minutes. Like he sat there and he paused and he really thought about it. And then you kind of see this light bulb go off in his head and he goes, Oh, um, actually I do remember. He said the first time I ever remembered somebody telling me I'm not good at speaking. He said was in elementary school. He said, I, I, I had a terrible stutter when I was a kid and I was reading a, a teacher asked me to read something out loud and I really struggled to get through it. And at the end, you know, kids were making fun of me, you know, they were ragging on me and she came up to me and said, it's okay, honey, you're just not very good at speaking. And my heart just like sank in that moment for him. Here is a grown man, adult who is still carrying around something somebody handed to him in elementary school. And I paused and I told him, who's telling you that now? And he kind of looked up and he's like, I am. And so I think the point of this is that so many of us whether we have these limiting beliefs that are handed to us, that are told to us, or that we pick up somewhere along the way, we end up carrying around like heavy oversized luggage. And over the years, we just start to get used to the load that we don't even realize that it's there sometimes. And so he had been become so comfortable with this identity and this belief that he had, that I'm not a good speaker, that he just had accepted it. And so I shared with him a formula that actually drew this out for him. And I said, okay, your identity equals your beliefs plus actions. So I said, your belief is I'm not a very good speaker. So every time you act in support of it, it creates this identity. And so this means every time he shied away from raising his hand in a group session of mine, every time he didn't go up to his coach and ask like, what can I do better? Every time he was short, one word answers with me. When I was asking him questions, he was supporting that belief. I'm not very good at speaking, which supported this overarching identity that he was carrying around. And so I asked him, I said, is that who you want to be? And I mean, he like broke down. It was like almost immediate. He's like, no. No. He's like, Lauren, it's a burden. He's like, I have really good things to say. He's like, I, I want to have these conversations with my teammates. I want to have these conversations with my coaching staff, but I'm just too afraid to. And so I said, okay, well, the good news is, is that we can rework this. It doesn't have to be this way. And so we reworked the formula we exchanged belief and identity because a lot of times you'll hear people say, you know, uh, you know, you just got to believe, well, thanks Tom. Like if the that Lasso?
0: was
1: so, yeah, right. If that was, if that was that simple, right? Like then, then like it, everyone would do it, but that's yeah. just not always the case. And again, love Ted Lasso. So shout that out to you. Ted Lasso, but there's one simple ingredient that he's missing is that belief is oft often follows evidence. And so I said, okay, if we can rework this and belief equals your identity plus action, we have to first identify who you want to become. Like, what is the identity you want to take on? So I said, I want you to finish this question. I said, you want to be the type of person who, and finish the, finish the sentence. And he's like, I want to be the type of person who isn't afraid to speak, who can raise their hand in group meetings, who will go up to their staff, who can ask questions to people, who can have great conversation. And I said, great So that is the identity that we are going to take on. So then my question was, what actions do you have to do to support it? Because like, you can't like, you know, create your identity, and then go sit on the couch and like eat a sandwich. Like you have to like actually go and do this. Right. And so we came up with all these different actions that he could take and rep after rep time after time, as you put in the reps, as you take these actions, your beliefs start to form. They start to catch up with the identity that you've chosen because you're providing evidence to your brain that this is true. And so for him, one of the fun things we did, and to this day, nobody knows that we did this, like nobody knows who this player is. Nobody knows that this happened, but he would come into my office. And before every session I would do with that team, we would go, I would go over the questions I was going to ask at the end of the session and we would prop his answer. And so then when I would ask the question at the end, his arm would go up and we would give him the opportunity to act out this new identity and that started to support this belief. And after a couple of times he stopped coming to my office beforehand and his arms still went up because he had provided his mind with enough evidence that he began to believe it.
0: I love it. I, I love it so much. And, and it's for me, as we're recording this, it, it's so funny hearing it, probably the third or fourth time I've heard you tell this story and it's, it's one of my favorite ones that you tell is what it clicked with me this time is I, as you know, I'm writing as well and was talking about the importance of essentially method acting, like Mm. acting as if you're that person and Hollywood takes it to the extreme in some sense. But if you're someone who that doesn't have somebody like you who can be like, what are those behaviors? Who's someone in your life that does? And how can you act like Steve Martin talked about this in an interview around his book? And he said Carl Rainer, who is his, his um, mentor always was warm and welcoming with strangers. And Martin's like, I don't like that. Like I, I couldn't do that. And he said, I started walking into rooms and asking myself, what would Carl do? And trying to act as if I'm Carl until I became that person who was known to be warmth and welcoming to people. I didn't know because to your point, the actions eventually reinforce that new belief system so much and that identity. And so that's why I love I love hearing that because there's there's something to that. It's almost the idea that you got to feel motivated to take action. You got to believe something before you can take action. And you're saying actually no, you can identify the actions to reinforce and change the belief system, just like you can take the action to eventually build the discipline and habit without the feeling motivated all the time.
1: Uh, No, exactly. Like really so well said, because I do think that a lot of people to your point, like they, they think the opposite is true. They think that, oh, I have to feel this way. I have to believe this way, but if I want to go and do this and like, no, like beliefs don't win championships. They don't like, you can't believe your way to a championship. Your actions do, but guess what? Your beliefs influence your actions. They're the lens to which you see the world. And so beliefs actually change the way you see and how you experience the world around you. So if you can shift your belief systems, you can actually shift your actions. You can shift the decisions that you make, but sometimes you have to make those decisions and act before those beliefs are there. And so when people say that, it's like, yes, trust me. It's like a lot of times the question is the chicken or the egg, but I don't know about you. I don't know about the people listening, but I cannot fake my way into believing something. If I don't believe it, I'm just not going to believe it. But if I go, okay, I'm going to go do it. As I begin to provide my evidence to my mind, that's when I start to believe it.
0: Yeah. It's a hundred percent along those lines of giving yourself the evidence to reinforce. It's not the, the false confidence that falls apart in the midst of it. It's kind of that building. And so I'm curious along those same lines of a lot of people listening Former athletes out of the game now, still having, we all have something. We have something we've struggled with. And I would think that part of the belief system impacts maybe some of these high performers self sabotage of getting in the way. And I'm curious if you've seen that to where we have a belief that either we can't succeed, we don't have this. And so we continue to take actions to sabotage it, versus if we start to change the actions, it starts to change that belief system in that sense. Have you seen that before with some of the professionals you've worked with outside of sports?
1: Oh my gosh, absolutely. I was actually on a call today. Call today with a guy in sales. And um, he's like, I am, I have the the most conversations, meaning he gets the most leads and has the most conversations with potential clients out of anybody in the company, but he has the lowest amount of the lowest close rate. And so we were talking about it, and it became so clear how some of his beliefs that he was carrying was actually limiting his ability to help his clients. Because man, if we are this much more expensive than the person they're already using, oh, there's no way he's going to go with us. So he shows up differently on the call. And, and so it just kept showing up for me, for him, kept showing up for him. And so there's a lot of different ways that your beliefs can, can impact. But at the end of the day, your beliefs impact They Well, first of all, your beliefs won't get win you championship, your beliefs won't get your promotion, your beliefs impact your thoughts, They impact, your perspective, They impact, your ability to make decisions. And so when we start to look at them and when we start to kind of look through the lens, go, okay, this is the one that's in the way. What is the one I want to adopt? And then reverse engineer that into what actions I need to take. That's really where we start to find some progress. And so for him, what we realized is that he was already assuming he was mind reading. He was already assuming what the, what, what the client was going to say, how the client was going to feel and what decision they were going to make. And so that lens, in turn, changed the decisions he made on the call. And I feel like played, we've all been there. scared,
0: played, played. Yeah, I played scared versus played free.
1: Yeah, played, played not to lose instead of playing to win. Go.
0: Yeah. It's, okay, so I want to do a real quick kind of recap on this from a next step. Somebody's listening and thinking, maybe I'm getting in my way. What are kind of a initial start to uncover steps that you recommend? Cause obviously, as this is out, people can pre-order the book and get the other eight laws of mental performance, but they have to wait until this actually in hand. So I want to give them something to whet the appetite before we can actually get them the book in hand.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So besides the formula, which is a great formula to start with, um, which is the your your identity. Thank you. I was like, I was thinking that the opposite way. Your identity equals your belief plus actions. Reverse engineer that to your beliefs equal your identity plus actions. The two questions I want you to ask yourself is number one, who do you want to become? And finish the sentence. I want to become the type of person who then number two is ask yourself, what actions do I need to take to support that new identity? Just pick one, pick one from the list and go do it. It right there is the first step To first of all, going, okay, I know what direction I want to go in. I know what's been limiting me and this is what I want to go do. That's a first great actionable step. Another thing to consider is that there are essentially three types of beliefs. There are limiting beliefs. These are the things that like create a boundary from action. Like, for instance, like you know, money doesn't grow on trees. You know, there's some of these limiting beliefs that actually stop you from taking any action forward. Another one is an adopted or like a hand-me-down belief, something that somebody's actually handed off to you. And then there's an actual boiled down belief. And this is the boiled down belief of, if you strip away everything anyone has ever said about you, you strip away society's belief about you. You strip away what mom and dad want. You strip away what somebody else says and you get down to what you actually believe about you that is the boiled down belief. And we really want to get to that. And so that's another thing to consider as you're kind of looking at these is also when you can begin to identify the beliefs that you have and what type of belief that it actually is, then we can begin to go, okay, this is not what I want. And this is who I want to become.
0: I want to ask you uh, to pull at that a little bit longer. Uh, One of the things that I've, I've talked to some clients about, and I'm curious your thoughts on of when you do take that action, making a list in your phone, in your journal, writing it down somewhere for quick reference, when that voice gets back inside, how, how big are you on actually recording that evidence?
1: Oh, i I've, i love that. I love the idea of recording the evidence. Um, I, I mean, initially when you said that I was thinking of like voice recording, but if you're just oh. talking about writing it down, yeah. that's also amazing. I love that because here's the thing the more that you can not only track, like you can't, you can't, uh, quantify something that you can't measure. Like yep. if we're going to look at our progress, we're going to track our progress. We have to also understand like, how are we going to measure it? And so in that way, whether it's writing down every time you take an action, um, whether it's, uh, I actually do this Uh, with kids a lot. When I talk to parents is actually having a jar of marbles. And every time you take an action, you put a marble in the other jar, because I do think that sometimes progress is not visual, right? It's like when you go to the gym, you're not going to suddenly you go to the gym and come out, be like 10 pounds lighter. That's not how it works. Right. But you go every day for a while and suddenly you begin to see those results. So sometimes progress is the most motivating thing that humans can have or do. And so how do we create a physical, a physical progress or something we can see when this kind of progress is something maybe you can't. And that one way to do is to just track the actions that you take. And so you go, oh my gosh, I've done this a hundred times, or I've done this, you know, when you can see visually, oh, I filled up this jar. Oh my gosh, look at how much evidence I've created for myself. And so that's also one way that you can do it. you know, I love the recording, but then also having something that's like physical that
0: you can see. I love that one of the, we had a, a lady that was a guest at our church, not long back, she talked about flexing gratitude muscle during her storm and dealing with cancer and all sorts of things. And her husband put a jar on the table and all these sticky notes and every day having to do gratitude. And she was like, grateful for coffee. Like, but she saw as that jar started to fill, she was realizing like she's practicing more and more that gratitude. She started seeing gratitude in other places. So like the actions started reprogramming is it to your point like that physical seeing especially when we talk about our belief system we can tend to discount our progress because heck we discount our progress when we go into the gym if you start adding weights and getting stronger but you don't quote physically see a dramatic change people give up but when you see that there, there's something to that so i, I love that okay so You've got the book. Book is releasing at the first of the year. It's available right now for pre-order. Mindset is not everything, but it impacts everything. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong. It's the nine laws of mental performance and how you can kind of marry really what makes you, you with building a strong winning mindset, right? Yes. Awesome. Amazon, best place to go. Your website, where?
1: Yep. And you can find out on Amazon, my website, really wherever you find, wherever you buy your books.
0: Okay. And I know a handful of our ABC friends are probably listening to this. And so if they don't know already, Elite by Choice, which I had the opportunity to speak at last year, I've been the last two years as an attendee. You run a phenomenal event is coming in November. You ready to roll that out since this is now September?
1: Heck yeah. So November 9th through 11th, and it will be taking place in Austin, Texas. And yes, Jake was a speaker last year and you guys, it was Jake just crushed it. Absolutely. We we still get people talking about your talk today. And so if you don't want to miss just incredible pe- people and speakers like Jake, you're going to want to be a part of this. It is for people in the mental performance field or fields that are related. We've had other people come from other different domains and backgrounds and find a ton of value in it as well. Um, so yeah, it should be really fun. We have an incredible lineup again this year and we can't wait.
0: Yeah, no, as, as someone who uh, we talk on the mental performance and, and performance in general side, but not sports site background or doctorate uh like a lot of the people there's a ton of valuable insight uh that can just help you personally as well as help the people you're leading and managing um, and so highly highly recommend it plus it's a trip to austin in november if you're up north it's going to be warmer weather it's going to be great come down and visit for a weekend uh and then to find out more about elite by choice get signed up what's the best website to go to for that
1: um, to go to laurenjohnsonandco.com. And so that's laurenjohnson, A-N-D-C-O.com.
0: Perfect. We'll be linking to all of that in the show notes, as well as Lauren's social media and email newsletter. Uh, she does a phenomenal uh, midweek uh, email going out every Wednesday with a little video lesson uh, that I, I read. It's one of the like handful of emails I actually read each and every week. And so we're going to link to that so you can get plugged in and learn from her. But Lauren, as always, it's so much fun to hang out with you. Thanks for coming on the show this week.
1: Oh, thanks so much for having me.
0: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday podcast. To get in touch with the team, drop us an email to podcast at competeveryday.com. And to find out more about our resources, content and gear that will help you build that winning mindset so you better compete for your best life, visit competeeveryday.com.